0: Welcome back to Mythological Throwback Thursday. I'm Alex, and this is the podcast where we go through mythological figures and tales to uncover the unusual, forgotten, or misunderstood bits of the stories we tell about our distant past. It's April, which means April showers and worse than usual Los Angeles driving. Whether it's a blessing or a curse, humankind has always had someone behind the reins. Today, we're taking a peek behind the clouds. In the Yoruba religion of Nigeria and Benin, Shango and Oya are the anthropomorphic gods of nature known as Orishas, most commonly associated with stormy weather. Shango is the god of thunder, lightning, and fire, hurling down fiery stones against those who have caused his ire. His wife Oya is the goddess of rainstorms, and with her messenger, Efefe, she carries the winds of change that sweep away the old to make way for the new. She wields two machetes to clear the path for new growth after her storms have destroyed the old. She also shepherds the living to the land of the dead, and guards the gates of the cemetery. Women can call on her to settle disputes in their favour. Oya represents the river Niger, and the storms that fill it, and she is sometimes called the mother of nine for the river's nine tributaries. She wears a skirt, with nine different colours of cloth. Oya is a warrior, and fights side by side with Shango in battle, and she can wield lightning, too. We wouldn't cross her, she's fierce AF. Some variations in Oya's symbology exist in the African diaspora. In Cuban Santeria, Haitian voodoo, and Brazilian candomblé, for instance, Oya is sometimes syncretized with the Catholic saints, Teresa, Bridget, or Barbara. Syncretism is the merging of religious practices, symbols, or traditions. In Oya's case, the Yoruba peoples that were brought to the Caribbean and Latin America as slaves brought their worship of the Orishas too, but their Catholic masters worked to override them with European saints. Instead of a racing oya though, they became blended, and the Yoruban traditions persist globally. We told you she was fierce. Let's travel a bit further west now, from the Atlantic to the Pacific, and see what sort of rain gods we can find there. Ah, Hawaii. In Hawaiian myth, Lono is a god of peace and music, who brings rain and fertility. He is associated with the clouds, thunder, lightning, and earthquakes. There was an annual festival called the Makahiki, which marked the rainy season of about four months in winter, during which war and unnecessary work were forbidden. Priests would be blindfolded so they couldn't observe while folks got rowdy, played games, and generally goofed off. Part of the celebrations involved a procession of priests carrying a long pole called Lono Makoa, or Father Lono, around the coast, stopping along the way to collect offerings and looking for signs of Lono's arrival, dark clouds over the horizon. Hawaii has smaller local rain gods as well, one of them, Kamona, began as a forest god, but angered the volcano goddess Pele. She erupted and covered Kamauna with lava, and when the lava cooled, it left a boulder in the shape of Kamauna, that locals worshipped as a rain god thereafter. One way to ask for rain, or good fortune generally amongst the Hawaiian spirits, is to tap on the tree or rock housing a spirit. To summon Kamona's blessing in times of drought, locals will hit this boulder with a mackerel, When done with appropriate respect and reverence, that's usually enough to get his attention. When attempted in a disrespectful manner, as one colonizer did by shooting his gun at Kamauna, the result may be catastrophic flooding. Some stories about Lono share similarities with other Polynesian gods, and it can be hard to pick out whether those commonalities are simply storytelling shorthand, or if the stories themselves were adapted from one god to another. For instance, The Tahitian god Oro and Lono both have stories about seeking out a wife and appearing to them on a rainbow. Appearing on a rainbow may just be a linguistic quirk, like beginning a fairy tale with Once Upon a Time, or it may be meant to link these two gods through their tales. Lono may have also taken over some of the roles of Laka or Rata as he is known in Tahitian legends. Laka is associated with the red Lahua flower, and in certain ritual invocations Lono is too. Another complicating factor in Hawaiian mythology is ancestor worship. When the first Tahitians settled in the uninhabited Hawaiian islands, they brought with them their myths and legends, but over time, the stories shifted to incorporate the history of each new Hawaiian chief and their genealogies. Some chiefs have Lono in their name and may represent aspects of that god, or maybe smaller gods now. It can be tricky to pinpoint which stories belong to the big god and which to the smaller ones, Regardless, Lono is massively popular, and his ceremonies are all about fun and merrymaking. His place in the pantheon is that of provider. Now let's have a look at the Aztecs in Central and North America. Tlaloc was a prominent Aztec deity. Like Lono, he was known sometimes as the provider, for his position as god of the rains, water, and fertility. As a rain god, he was also associated with thunder and lightning and he ruled over a special level of the afterlife for those who died of drowning or other water-related maladies. His image incorporates snake iconography as well, for the water-like movements a serpent represents. In a country with extreme weather, he was highly regarded among the Aztecs, and his shrine occupied a spot on the main pyramid of the Aztec capital, Tenochtitlan. However, the finest shrine to him was Tlalocan itself, atop Mount Tlaloc. Tlalocan contained four pitchers of special water that Tlaloc's attendants, lesser gods known as Tlalocan, would pour on crops as a rain. One would bring a good harvest, one would rot it, one would dry it out, and one would freeze it. Aztecs would pray to the Tlalocan for good rain and had many rituals to strengthen these prayers. One of these rituals involved shaping dough into effigies of Tlaloc and the wind gods. Tlaloc may have been adopted from the Mayan pantheon, given his similarities to their god Chac. Or it's possible the Mayans borrowed some elements of Tlaloc from the Aztecs. They may both have drawn from an earlier Olmec deity. Spanish missionaries at the time of conquest have long been relied upon for contemporaneous accounts, but their bias and possible rumour-mongering has only recently been examined for inaccuracies against the archaeological evidence. Though Spanish missionaries worked hard to replace Mesoamerican religion with Roman Catholicism, Nevertheless, Tlaloc worship persisted, even today. Tlaloc remains a notable figure in Mexican art and culture. Yu Shi is a Chinese rain spirit whose name literally means Master of Rain. He often was seen alongside Feng Bo, also known as Fei Lian, God of Wind. In the legendary ten-year war between the six-armed tyrant Qi Yo and the Yellow Emperor Huang Di, Yu Shi and Feng Bo aided Qi and his tribe, Chio called upon the rain and wind gods to conjure a great storm that stymied his enemy's forces. Unfortunately for Qiyo, the Yellow Emperor summoned his daughter, the drought demon Ba, down from heaven. She dried up the storm, allowing Huangdi to defeat Qiyo and end the war, but was unable to return to heaven. Ba wandered the earth, drought following wherever she went. There are a couple of rainbirds in Chinese mythology that may be associated with Shi. The Shangyang and the Bifang are both mentioned in ancient texts, and both are described as having only one leg. Their dance may signal the coming of rain, so watching for their hop can help you prepare. I have about as much confidence in a mythical one-legged bird as I do the local weatherman, so give us a shout if you see that Shangyang getting down. Lastly, Tefnut was the ancient Egyptian goddess of weather, fertility, and water, mother of heaven and earth. Literally. Her daughter Nut is the sky, and her son Geb is the earth. She had a lion's head and the temper to match. While she was an important goddess to the ancient Egyptians, one of the Ennead, or original Nine, she wasn't as popular as her offspring Nut and Isis. So, while we don't have as many stories about her, we do have one example of that Leonine temper. After a fight with her father Ra, she left Egypt for Nubia, taking all of the water and moisture with her. Not only did she leave the country in drought, she rampaged around Nubia as a furious lioness, bringing violence upon human and god alike. Ra had to send Thoth, the scribe of the underworld, to calm her down and bring her and the rain back. Tefnut's name is said to be similar to the ancient Egyptian word for spit, either referring to the tale that she was created by her father spitting, or else because she caused the rain by spitting. She is sometimes seen depicted in tombs giving water to the dead from her pitcher, to aid them on their journey to the afterlife. All around, she's a goddess whose good side you'd want to stay on. Of course, there are many more rain gods. But we don't want to flood you. Thanks for listening to Mythological Throwback Thursday, brought to you by Beyond Books App. Available on iOS for iPhone and iPad. Theme music by Nick's. Show art by Chelsea Butler. If you like the show, please rate and review on iTunes.